Hi there. Good Thursday morning. We're following breaking news overnight. Yeah, deadly accident at an airport. It is February the 1st. This is today. Hangar collapse. Three people killed, at least nine others hurt, at an airport in Boise, Idaho. Some of the victims trapped under debris. It was fairly catastrophic. The frantic search for survivors overnight and the investigation to uncover what went wrong. Grilled tech CEOs called out on Capitol Hill over the risks their platforms pose to children. I know you don't mean it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. And the dramatic moment Mark Zuckerberg stood up and apologized to grieving families in the room. The question this morning, will any of it help make social media safer? Pineapple Express, a one-two punch of powerful storms hammering the West Coast. Accidents, rescues, and flooding already mounting with even more rain on the way, while much of the rest of the country is set to enjoy a winter warm-up. Millions expecting record highs. Al has the full forecast. New twist, the accused Idaho college killer now fighting to have his trial moved. His attorney saying it's the only way to find a fair jury. We'll tell you how the victim's families are reacting. All that plus love story. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Travis Kelsey opening up like never before about his romance with Taylor Swift and pushing back at critics. We just have fun with it and we uh, we enjoy every single bit of it. What he's now revealing ahead of the Super Bowl. And checking in, Elmo's innocent post asking people how they're doing now seen nearly 200 million times and fueling a wide array of responses. So what does Elmo think of all the commotion? We'll ask our furry little friend when he makes the trip from Sesame Street to Studio 1A. Today, Thursday, February 1st, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuppy, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Happy you're with us on this Thursday morning. There's a lot of crummy things going on in the world. We need a little Elmo today. I think it's a good we way do. to begin. Elmo is going to be here. We cannot wait to catch up with him. And speaking of furry and adorable balls of positivity, Larry David will also be here to talk about the final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Wow. Yin and yang. Oh, Larry. Yeah, point counterpoint. Yep. Uh, we are also covering that extraordinary moment on Capitol Hill yesterday. Mark Zuckerberg turning around during a hearing. To address the families of children victimized on social media, the image itself going viral. We'll have a full Im- update on that important hearing just ahead. But we do start with that breaking news out of Boise. Three people killed, at least nine others hurt, when an airport hangar that was under construction suddenly collapsed. The Boise Fire Department calling it catastrophic. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin is here in Studio 1A with the very latest. Hey, Aaron, what can you tell us? Well, good morning. This was a chaotic and deadly scene. We're talking about a 39,000-foot steel hangar. Fire and rescue crews rushed in to respond. Now officials are combing through the wreckage, trying to figure out exactly what went wrong. We have a structure collapse at the uh, new hangar at Jackson Jet Center. have one crane collapsed and, uh, I guess, partial structure collapse as well. This morning, authorities are investigating a deadly building collapse in Boise, Idaho, that killed three people and injured nine others, five of them in critical condition. It was a a pretty uh, global collapse that occurred. The main structural members uh, came down. It was fairly catastrophic. 
The initial call coming in Wednesday evening at a steel jet hangar owned by private aircraft company Jackson Jet Center. The building had been under construction within Boise Airport's airfield. Holy sh- Officials describing the scene as chaotic, with several fire engines and at least a dozen ambulances on the ground. Rescue teams making entry, pulling victims out of the wreckage. We did have some that that were challenging and that there was uh, hoists and so forth. Officials say everyone within the collapse area had been accounted for. The cause remains under investigation. The CEO of the Jackson Jet Center releasing a statement to NBC News, writing in part, Our hearts go out to everyone affected by this horrific event. We do not know exactly what caused the hangar collapse. Our focus now is on supporting our team and partners during this difficult time. Boise police, along with OSHA, will be heading the investigation into this collapse. NBC News has reached out to the general contractor for the project, but has not heard back. Guys. Right, Aaron McLaughlin. Aaron, thank you. Also this morning, fallout is growing from that contentious hearing on Capitol Hill addressing child safety on social media. CEOs from five of the biggest platforms were on the hot seat yesterday. And at one point, Meta's Mark Zuckerberg issued a rare apology to parents in the hearing room who lost loved ones. NBC's senior national correspondent Kate Snow was there, joins us now with the latest. Kate, good morning. Hey, good morning, Savannah. The chief executives of Discord, Snap, TikTok, X and Meta face tough questions from senators on both sides of the aisle and a frosty reception from the families gathered in that hearing room. Many wondering why the tech companies in Congress have failed to act while children still face danger on social media sites. In a combative and emotional Senate hearing... You have blood on your hands. You have a product. You have a product that's killing people. The CEOs facing accusations they've failed to protect children from illicit content, predators, and extortion. Your platforms really suck at policing themselves. Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg tangled with senators over his platform's safety record. It appears that you're trying to be the premier sex trafficking site in this country. Senator, that's ridiculous. Sitting behind the CEOs, grief-stricken families holding photos of children they say were victimized on the company's platforms. Would you like now to apologize? Pressed by Republican Senator Josh Hawley, Zuckerberg turned to address the families. And this is why we invested so much and are going to continue doing extremely efforts to, uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer. Mary Rohde was in the room. She says her son Riley was blackmailed over explicit photos on Facebook Messenger and was so distraught he took his own life. To her, Zuckerberg's words rang hollow. When he stood up, he said, I'm sorry for your pain. But but I don't really think he's sorry for my pain. At least six social media bills are still waiting for action in the Senate, including legislation known as the Kids Online Safety Act, which some CEOs declined to support. There are parts of the of the act that we think are great. No, it's, oh, it's a yes or no question. In its present form, do you support it? Yes or no? We, we are aware that some groups have raised some concerns. It's important to understand. I'll how take that as a no. Some parents remain skeptical. Are you hopeful, thinking things might change after this? I've been in these hearings before. I would love to hear that we're going to pass all these bills and actually protect children, but I'm not convinced that will happen. 
Another big issue that came up has to do with lawsuits. The yeah. fact that there is uh, not liability for these for these social media right. companies, and why is that? And is Congress prepared to do something right. about it's, it? It's very hard to, as you know, as a lawyer, to sue civilly against these companies and win. It really hasn't happened, and that's because back in the '90s there was this law that was passed, federal law, that basically says the platforms aren't responsible for the content on their platforms. Think of it like the phone company. If you uh, you know make a bomb threat on a phone line. You can't you're not going to sue the phone company because that bomb threat was on the phone line. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes not their fault. Right. They're Mm -hmm. trying to otherwise it'd be crushing liability. But here's the thing. There is some movement on Capitol Hill around this issue. I talked to Senator John Cornyn, a Republican of Texas yesterday, and he said to me he thinks there's quite a bit of enthusiasm about maybe doing something to repeal some of that shield that these companies have. Now, that's a huge ask that would take a ton of negotiation, Mm -hmm. but. Well, they don't have to take it out entirely. They could refine it, maybe, you know, and maybe, maybe find some way to hold uh, hold the companies responsible when certain circumstances warrant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly what the families want. Yeah, it seems like Congress has these hearings, but they ultimately do have the power to pass legislation. So you talked about some legislation, they're making baby steps, but yeah. why not just go ahead and legislate instead of having hearings know, like it, these? It feels, it's frustrating. The families felt that too, that why can't we just do something? There are more than half a dozen bills right now, all different bills that it would take me too long to describe how they're all different. They do different things. They go at the problem in different ways. Here's the thing. The concerns about those bills on the social media side, because I've talked to all these companies, is that some of them might invade the privacy of their users. Some of them might not be constitutional. They could have a chilling effect on free speech. Even the ACLU and other groups have said they're concerned about some of these measures. That said, there is some movement. There's a Child Online Safety Act, it's called COSA, K-O-S-A, that's getting a lot of attention. Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, said yesterday, I want to make this a priority but the reality check on that is that right now, our, our friends who cover Capitol Hill, you know, all our folks up there for NBC were saying to me, we've got, you know, the government can't shut down. We've got to pass budgets. It's, a, it's an election year. There's a lot of stuff on the agenda at, yeah. on Capitol Hill. And this right now has not none of this has been scheduled for a full Senate. It just vote. feels like both sides of the aisle are lining up to berate these CEOs, mm-hmm. whether, you know, deservedly or not deservedly. But they don't need their endorsement mm-hmm. to pass legislation. They That's can true. feel free to legislate anytime mm-hmm. they want. Yeah. Yeah. And as your you, yeah. you know, family member of a victim said, I've been to these hearings a million yeah. times at this Although point. Senator yeah. Durbin, real quick, would say he's the chair of that committee. He would say he's a Democrat, that it's the power of the lobbying of the social media companies that also stops some of these measures. Right. The lawmakers are the subject of lobbying, are they not? (laughs) Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kate. All right. Meantime, the U.S. is now preparing a campaign of military strikes in response to the drone attack that killed three American soldiers and wounded dozens more. Overnight, U.S. forces carried out strikes against other targets in the region. NBC's chief international correspondent, Keir Simmons, is in Iraq. He's got the very latest for us. Hey, Keir, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. In this region, the spotlight remains very firmly on Iran and its proxies. Some of those Iranian-backed groups continuing to operate despite those threats of a response from the Biden administration. This morning, as the U.S. readies a multi-target strike against Iranian assets, it says an Iranian-backed group is responsible for the attack that killed three American service members. The U.S. is also renewing attacks against Iran's proxies on other fronts, hitting areas in western Yemen controlled by the Houthis. U.S. F-18s bombing, it says, 
10 unmanned drones that were preparing to launch attacks and a ground control station. The Pentagon adding the targets presented an imminent threat to merchant vessels and the U.S. Navy ships in the region. Overnight, the U.S. destroyer USS Kearney also shooting down an anti-ship ballistic missile fired by the Houthis, along with three Iranian drones, according to the Pentagon. The National Guard now confirming at least 41 guardsmen were injured in Sunday's attack against U.S. troops on a remote outpost in Jordan. This, the moment President Biden called the parents of Specialist Kennedy Sanders, one of the three killed. We're promoting her posthumously to sergeant. Oh, wow. That is the best news I've heard today. Thank you so much. You don't know how much that means to us. Biden's response, when it comes, likely to target Iranian-backed militias in the region. The U.S. has targeted these groups before, with little discernible impact on their behavior. Now, U.S. officials telling NBC News to expect strikes on multiple places in several countries and locations, including cyber operations. When you're talking about what we're anticipating here, which won't just be a one-off, as I said, the first thing you see will not be the last thing. And the White House rejecting suggestions that the delay is allowing Iran and its proxies to prepare. But a senior Iraqi official tells NBC News that some of those Iranian proxy groups are evacuating headquarters here as the U.S. prepares for those retaliatory strikes. Iran appears to be readying too, Hoda. All right, Kier Simmons for us there in Iraq. Kier, thank you. Ahead of the FBI sounding a new alarm about Chinese cyber attacks, saying they pose a serious national security threat. Director Christopher Wray testified at a House Select Committee hearing yesterday and said Chinese hackers are preparing to wreak havoc against U.S. electrical grids and other infrastructure. He warned the U.S. cannot afford to, quote, sleep on this danger. Last year, hackers linked to China breached the email accounts of both the Commerce Department and State Department employees. Set, almost 714. Craig's here. Weather's a big story. Oh, it is. Hoda mm-hmm. Savannah, good morning. Good morning to you as well. We're talking about the first of two potent storms now dumping rain up and down the West Coast. Tens of millions bracing for flooding, power outages, and possible landslides in the coming days. Mr. Roker standing by to track those storms. Also looking at some record warmth in the forecast and the end of those gray days as well. But first, NBC's Liz Kreutz joins us from Windsor, California, just north of San Francisco. Liz, good morning. Hey, Craig. Good morning. Yeah, overnight, Northern California got drenched with rain, leading to flooding like this. We're on a road right now, and these waters continue to rise. In fact, just down the road here, a car got stuck after a driver had tried to get through these floodwaters. Swiftwater rescue teams had to come and try to help them get out. Incidents like this are happening across the state, and it could only get worse with another big storm on the way. This morning, wild weather sweeping across the country by the weekend. Though most Americans are feeling above average temperatures right now, intense rain set to move in. Millions are under flood alerts. Rescues already starting overnight as the system known as a Pineapple Express makes landfall in California. It's coming down in waves of like... Dumping snow in the Tahoe area with roads snarled. The rain causing accidents across the state where residents expect flooding. This lifeguard stand right here will be underwater. A dramatic scene in the Bay Area. This massive tree toppling over, trapping a young girl inside. She was rescued with non-life-threatening injuries. Officials opening up dams in preparation for excess runoff. 
This morning, farther south, San Diego bracing for impact again. We lost total loss to everything. Water from last week's 100-year rainfall is still seeping into the soil, increasing the risk of flash floods, rock and mudslides later this week. I want to reiterate, as much as we have been focused on helping residents in these impacted communities recover, we've also been preparing for the rain event. Residents now getting ready with a wet end of the week ahead. And, you know, this storm is now moving south to Los Angeles, the heaviest rain expected during the morning commute. And it's just the beginning. Another stronger atmospheric river is expected to hit many of these same areas again on Sunday. Craig. Thanks. All right, Liz. Thank you. That sets us up perfectly for Mr. Roker's forecast. Hey, Al, good morning. Guys, good morning and good morning to you. And you can see the rain and snow making its way into down from Los Angeles, just about to hit San Diego, all the way up to San Francisco, Lake Tahoe, seeing snow, 25 million under wind alerts, a million under winter weather alerts and flood alerts stretching from Redding, California, all the way down to San Diego for 22 million people. So as Liz mentioned, we've got two storms, storm number one today and tomorrow, storm number two, the more powerful of the two Sunday on into Tuesday. So for today, soaking rain again for Southern California, rain and snow moving into the Rockies and the Great Basin area. Tomorrow and Saturday, there's rain and heavy thunderstorms advance into the lower Mississippi River Valley. Snow and wind will continue to pummel the Rockies. And then storm number two comes on shore from Sunday to Tuesday. Another round of flooding rain, strong winds. Uh, this is going to be a real dangerous situation. We do look for anywhere from two to three inches, could be upwards of five inches of rain, up to two feet of snow in the mountain peaks. And then we're we're talking record temperatures possible. Look at Chicago, 50 degrees today, 17 degrees above average. Lubbock, 74. Washington, D.C., 9 degrees warmer than average at 54. And tomorrow, D.C., again, very warm. Nashville, 13 degrees above average at 63. Dallas, you're going to be hitting 70 degrees. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Coming up, a new development in the Idaho College murders, adding more complications on the push to schedule a trial. Laura Jarrett following the story for us. Hi, Laura. Hey, guys. Guys, Brian Koberger is ramping up his defense case even without a trial date set. We're going to break down the chances that he could actually get this trial moved out of town. Plus, thank you, Laura. The new norm in streaming. So another popular platform is ready to crack down on all that password sharing that y'all are doing. So <laughs> who's being impacted and your options oh, if you want to save some money? <laughs> of course, this is today on NBC. That's right. Larry David. Larry's going to be here today, 24 years after the launch of that iconic series, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry says it's time for b- goodbye. And you know how he loves the finale. Yes, Larry, we are excited. He is going to pay us a visit this morning. You know he's excited, too. Yes. He's just full, sort of, of, sort of. full of love, warmth, and joy. Yes. but fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in just a few moments. But we are <laughs> going to start uh, this half hour with some, some new developments in a case that we have been following very closely here. The attorney for the man accused in the Idaho College murders is now arguing the only way to find a fair and impartial jury is to move the case to a new venue. NBC senior legal correspondent Laura Jarrett joins us with the details. Hi, Laura. Good morning. Hey, guys. Good morning to you. People file defense motions like this really all the time, saying they can't possibly get a fair shake at trial, especially in high-profile cases. But the size of the community in this case could end up tipping the scales in Koberger's favor. This morning, a new wrinkle in the prosecution of Brian Koberger, as the man accused of killing four college students in Moscow, Idaho, tries to get the case moved 
elsewhere. Lawyers for Koberger filing a new motion this week for a change of venue, arguing a fair and impartial jury cannot be found in Lataw County, citing the extensive inflammatory pretrial publicity, the small size of the community, and the severity of the charges Mr. Koberger faces. It's been more than a year since prosecutors allege Koberger fatally stabbed Zana Kernodal, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, and Kayla Gonsalves in their off-campus home, setting off a nationwide manhunt and rattling the tight-knit community around the University of Idaho, a community that might be simply too small to handle the grisly accusations against Koberger fairly at trial, says former prosecutor Gene Fisher. Lataw County is a college town. The population is only 40,000 people. I think the prosecutor is going to have a hard time keeping it there. The attorney for the Gonzalez family says while his clients would prefer the case to stay in Lataw County, where it happens matters less than when. They're less concerned about the the venue than they are about the time frame. The time frame is more important to them. A judge entered a not guilty plea on Koberger's behalf last year. The state has said it's seeking the death penalty. But families of the victims have been frustrated by the pace of the case. The judge last week suggesting it might not go to trial until summer of 2025, but opting not to set a firm trial date yet. I think it was a gut punch, right, to everyone, uh, to the family, that this could drag on for another two years. All right. A change of venue motion. How difficult is it to get one? And what do they have to demonstrate to get this move? His attorneys are going to have to convince the judge in this case that he cannot possibly get a fair and impartial jury. Now, the prosecution is going to say, look, this case is getting national attention. It's not specific to Moscow. Everybody has heard about this case. And you're not just looking for someone who hasn't heard about it. You're looking for someone who can truly be fair and objective. The judge is going to hear arguments about it in April. So we'll see where it goes. Mm -hmm. And it's state court. So even even if it were moved, it'd be moved somewhere else in Idaho. It's going to be somewhere in a neighboring district, perhaps possibly Boise, just because it's larger there. Okay, but yeah. not out of the state. No, it's not coming to New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank right. you, Laura. I appreciate it. Still ahead, February 1st. That means it is the first day of Black History Month. And this morning, we're going to mark it with a powerful story. Our exclusive look inside a humble schoolhouse that's older than the United States itself. And it's been hiding in plain sight. Now, that schoolhouse is offering hope for new generations of learners. Plus, we told you to expect more streamers to follow Netflix and crack down on password sharing. Why does well, she look at us like that? Well, you know why I'm looking at you. <laughs> Stephanie Johnson. We're innocent. iPads happening. Uh, password sharers and borrowers are on notice. Hulu is the next company that is going to crack down on, on all of this happening. So call your mom, your brother, your co-anchor, whatever the case may be, and let them know. There is no streaming free lunch anymore. We'll have the details coming up. Welcome back this morning on In-Depth Today. Yet another streaming giant joining the growing list of services cracking down on password sharing. It's like we're providing a public service announcement. Uh, NBC Stephanie Gosk here with that story. Hey, Steph. Sort of a public service announcement. Uh, Good, morning. Good morning, guys. You know, this move by Hulu doesn't come as a surprise. There have been months of speculation that it would be the next company to crack down on password sharing. The streaming service sent their customers an email telling them they have just over a month before the new policy goes into effect. And for the remaining companies that haven't taken this step, it seems just a matter of time before they do. 
If you're hoping to spend the remaining winter months binging any one of Hulu's award-winning shows, starting soon, it could cost you extra. Hulu announcing they'll join streaming giants Netflix and Disney Plus in banning shared accounts outside individual households. It's so stupid. Streaming sites, companies are starting to become like cable. Hulu sending an email to customers Wednesday announcing the update to their subscriber agreement, which says, unless otherwise permitted by your service tier, you may not share your subscription outside of your household. This is an era where all these big companies need to make more profits out of streaming, and I suspect they're all looking at these different kinds of ways to kind of crack down on on password sharing. The move leaving many cord cutters frustrated. Though some saw the writing on the wall when the CEO of Hulu's parent company, Disney, announced they were exploring how to address password sharing, rolling out similar user agreements on Disney+. They came to these services for all the shows, none of the ads, and all the convenience. And so we're seeing that kind of being eroded as time goes by. The move comes after Netflix's success with its own password sharing crackdown, gaining the streamer almost 22 million new subscribers in about six months, totaling a record 260 million paid subscribers across the platform and almost $9 billion in revenue. The fact that they have seen that Netflix has actually gained subscribers rather than losing them So they're just thinking that they're also going to have the same, like, outcome. All this amid soaring streaming prices, Hulu plans with live TV, cost nearly $80 a month. If you're looking to save, you can pay just $7.99 if you can forfeit live TV and put up with all those ads. And while streaming services are raking in the green, users are seeing red, wondering Who's next? Once Hulu starts doing it, then Amazon Prime, then Stars, then Paramount Plus, everybody else is going to follow. This is the new normal at this point. Yeah, you're right, brother. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to soon follow stuff. So how's, yeah. how's Hulu actually going to do it? How are they going to roll these changes out? Yeah, well, it has to be policed, right? So yeah. they are going to be looking for rule breakers. Guys, rule breakers. Mm-hmm. She's uh, projecting. Then, I just want to say that it's <laughs> over do here. Not. We don't. We don't. We don't. I mean, for, for those who yeah. aren't breaking the rules. She, because what's happening is she's like, oh, you and Craig. And we're like, this we is actually a classic, don't do that. This is a classic whoever smelt it dealt it. <laughs> right now. <laughs> you the psychological know. term is projection. Just, just, I, be, I, on, just be on notice. That, I did. Yeah, yeah, if no. you're sharing your password, you they are going yes. they to come gonna, get you. They're going to come. Yeah, okay. They're going to limit your service or end it. Okay. All right. March 14th. That's the deadline. Okay. Mark your calendar. But it already applies yep. to new subscribers. Yes, it does. Okay. So Hoda, binge the bear now. Yes. Okay. See how we turn that Exactly. Mr. Roper read a book. Yeah. yeah. We think thou dost protest too, too much. much. <laughs> That's the other but way anyway. to say that. Let's show you what we got. Boy, it has been a, almost like a snowless winter here in the Northeast. More than a foot of snow behind where we should be for Burlington. Look at Syracuse. They are 44 inches behind where they should be. Who's ahead? Washington, D.C. with eight inches of snow. They've got an inch more than uh, usual. And guess what? February's outlook is out, and it doesn't look very good, at least to start things out. We've got a trough in the west, so it's going to be cool and stormy there, but dry and mild in the east, which, you know, we've had a lot of clouds, so maybe a little sunshine, not so bad. So below average snowfall for the month 
of February, an active storm track, rainy and snowy from the southwest and southern California all the way into the southeast. Tomorrow, of course, we've got warmer than average temperatures for the month of February. That's the way it's looking. And tomorrow is Groundhog Day. That's right. Holtzville Hal in Holtzville, New York. Showers and and, uh, cloudy skies. Gray in Marion, Ohio for Buckeye Chuck. Woodstock Willie in Woodstock, Illinois. More clouds. What? Unadilla Billy. That's right, in Nebraska. He's going to see cloudy skies. So no shadow, which supposedly means an early spring. Chuckles in Manchester, Connecticut. Cloudy, Staten Island Chuck. But, of course, the granddaddy of them all, Punk Satani Phil. Low chance of shadow, shadows, 36 degrees. We'll see. I predict he's going to see his shadow because why? He always sees his shadow. And he shares his password. And that is your latest weather, guys. <laughs> right now. You say you dropped the gopher? I just was like, is it a gopher? But no, it's Groundhog it's Day. Groundhog. Not gopher. Got it. Okay. Got it. All right. Got it. Thank you, guys. All right. Coming up next, let's start all over. Redo. Uh, Travis Kelsey gearing up for the Super Bowl, opening up like never before about his relationship with Taylor Swift, what he's revealing, and your morning boost all coming up right after this. That is We're back. Carson Daly joins the Boy, table. We've got a look inside the most talked about romance on the planet right well, what's now. What's that romance? I, I have no idea what that could be. <laughs> Is it Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? Yes. As the football star prepares for the Super Bowl in Vegas, he's opening up like never before. NBC's Emily Akedd is all over that oh, one. Yeah. Emily, what do you got? Hey, guys. Back on the beat. Good morning. The world seems to be captivated by their relationship, which has taken over the NFL, pop culture, and, of course, social media. Now Travis Kelsey is opening up about how he and Taylor Swift are handling the intense to say the least, spotlight, and if fans can finally expect to see them together in Taylor's territory. This morning, Travis Kelsey speaking out. The glass is full. It's not even half full. It's full. Basking in the glow of his playoffs win and sharing new details about his relationship with Taylor Swift. This guy's everything that we would like be a football player. And he's in love. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? After that on-field appearance sent Swifties swooning. Check on your Taylor Swift fans, guys. We are not okay. Kelsey revealed they started dating a month before Swift's first appearance at a Chiefs game in September. Since then, she's attended 11 more. Some football fans complaining about Swift's screen time during games, but the sports world coming to the couple's defense. We celebrate all these goofballs jumping on tables in Buffalo and cheese hats. Matthew McConaughey and Drake and Jack Nicholson. Man and man and man and Eminem and it's cool and can I get a selfie and I can't believe I saw. And a young, attractive, beautiful, talented woman comes on for 25 seconds. And you're bothered. Travis saying the two shake it off. How how much the world wants to paint the paint the picture and uh, make us the enemy. Um, we just have fun with it, and we uh, we enjoy every single bit of it. And reflecting on Taylor's presence on the sidelines. I love it when Taylor comes and supports me and um, and enjoys the game with the fam and friends. Uh, it's been it's been nothing but a uh, but just a wonderful year, man. Travis's brother Jason Kelsey even congratulating Swift on the big win. Shout out to the newest members of the Chiefs Kingdom, Taylor Swift, who has officially reached the Super Bowl in a rookie year. That's good. <laughs> Shout out to Tay. <laughs> Thanks for joining the team. But before the Super Bowl showdown, the pop sensation has the Grammys, where she's up for six awards, including Album of the Year. Her bow bursting the bubble of fans hoping for the couple's red carpet debut. 
I wish I could go support Taylor at the Grammys and uh, watch her win every single award that the, that she's nominated for. But unfortunately, I got to get ready for this big old Super Bowl that we got in a week. And by the way, before Travis Kelsey was even in the picture, his coach, Andy Reid, knew Taylor Swift from Philadelphia and says he's poked fun at Travis for it. He applauded the pair for how they've handled their closely followed relationship and says it has not been a distraction. Oh. Proof's in the pudding there in the Super Bowl. Yeah, right? I believe Indeed. she did used to be an Eagles fan. She did. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She did? Yep. Go Birds. Like he's plays better when she's at those games. Yeah, he's in like 9-3. and three yeah. uh-huh. shows. Coming up, by the way, if you're a Taylor fan, an item in pop star tied to Taylor. Her music and other artists' music being pulled from TikTok. Oh, oh okay. yeah. All right, and good morning, sunshine. Oh, yeah. So excited to be here, Larry. He looks so happy. He looks thrilled. Bye. Am I on camera now? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you are. (laughs) Don't watch. (laughs) Turn off your TVs. You're going to be very disappointed. Just don't watch. It's a great tease. (laughs)